morning, what we're going to study in Mark chapter 10, if you want to turn there in your Bible or power it on, Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 42, we're going to look at just a few verses. We're going to use that as a launching pad uh, for a message I had prepped before some things had been going on in our world. And it's been an interesting morning already, and I think God is going to use it to at least change so uh, our lives, and it's brought some conviction to me, and I hope it does in a healthy way to you. Here's the thing. We're continuing a four-week teaching series. Next Sunday, if you hate this Sunday, don't worry. Next Sunday will be much better. At the first and third service, Eric Maitland, our worship pastor, is going to be preaching. It's the first time he's ever done this here at Mercy Road. It probably will not go well. So it's always fun to see a good fire come next Sunday. And then at the middle service at 1015, uh, one of the churches we're planting this year through Multiply Indiana at the Glendale Movie Theater in Broad Ripple, uh, Pastor John Owens will be here preaching at the 1015 service only. Uh, yeah, I get pumped and excited for that. Don't miss it. You can come to both uh, if you choose. But all that happens next Sunday. This Sunday... We talked the first week about what it means to, to pray, DIY, how you do that, like the basics, boil it down, what's it look like if I consider myself a Christian to begin to pray. We talked about fasting. This last Sunday, uh, we talked about the Bible and developing a healthy habit of getting into God's word and prioritizing that in our lives. This week, this week, we start putting some things to action. And we deal with what I think is one of the more difficult messages we have as a follower of Jesus. That Jesus came to serve and not be served. How many of you this morning thought, man, I'm going to get up this Sunday, I'm going to get all the kids ready so I can go to church and they can tell me how I need to serve more in my life? Who thought that would be fun? Nobody, right? Like this is the thing for me as a Christian is sometimes difficult, yet I will say this, our church today, that just five, just over five years ago, did not exist. All of the good works that have happened is because there has been an overwhelming commitment to the cause of Christ by those who consider themselves Christians. And some would say we should coddle people more and make them feel better about their lives because if we did that, they'll stick around and the church will grow. And I read the New Testament and I just don't see Jesus lead that way. And so what we've done, in fact, the first Sunday we ever met as a church, get this, the first Sunday we ever met, we met at Clay Middle School in Carmel, we invited everybody we knew, a couple hundred people sh showed up, and you know the first thing that we did, I had everybody get down, and the whole church did this, we got down on our hands and knees, and began with an act of submission, submitting the church to Jesus. Now, some would say your first launch Sunday, you should make sure and make people feel good. Don't ask them to do anything like that. And yet it was that act of submission that we saw this just like overwhelming desire to know Jesus more, to share him with people, to put others' needs before our own. That's at the heart of what I want to share with you this morning. And if you get this, guys, as a follower of Jesus, it's not just going to change a few things in your life. It's going to change everything. It's going to change your dating life. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your work life. It's going to change your finances. It's going to change the way that you spend time with your kids. It's going to change everything in your life. Who's ready to study God's word together this morning, church? 
Here's the question I want to ask you. Uh, does serving others fit into your busy, busy schedule? I'm going to be honest, sometimes it doesn't for me, and yet it's at the heart of what Jesus said it meant to follow him. Look at Mark chapter 10, verse 42. It says this, Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who were regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, godless people, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, for even the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I tell the staff that's bottoms-up leadership, right? That our vision and operations team exists to serve the staff, and the staff exists to serve our directional leaders, and the directional leaders exist to serve our many volunteers, Our volunteers exist to serve every single person that ever walks through the door of this building, comes here and ministers throughout the week, is in one of our outposts. We exist as followers of Jesus to serve others. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for every person that came out this morning here at the 1015 service to hear from you, to study your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit here in the room with us. For those who are watching live online in different parts of the world right now, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit through technology would minister to those who are watching us. God, our goal this morning is not make ourselves great, but to make you great. May you speak to us. May you convict us. May you encourage us. May you transform us. We dedicate this time to you and we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. As a kid, do you remember Saturday morning cartoons? Come on now. Now, some of you, you're like, they didn't have cartoons when I was born. I listened to it on the radio. Well, you're still going to get something from this, I promise. Like, I remember growing up as a kid, and the first thing I would want to do is run downstairs, get a bowl of Raisin Bran, because that was my choice at the time, and then I'd go in and I'd watch the cartoons. And I had some great ones. At my age, it was uh, Voltron. Mm-hmm. Transformers, right? I could go on down the list. There was some that my sister liked to watch, some that my brother and I liked. But my personal favorite was He-Man. <laughs> now, in case you're not familiar with He-Man, I thought we would watch about a minute clip of the introduction of He-Man <laughs> here at the service because this is definitely worth our time. Let's watch this together. Mm-hmm. And the masters of the universe! I am Adam, Prince of Eternia, defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Fringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull! became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man, the most powerful man in the universe. <laughs> Only three others share this secret. Our friends, the Sorceress, Man-at-Arms, and Orphan. 
Together, we defend Castle Greyskull from the evil forces of Skeletor. Yeah. Wasn't that the greatest? I loved it. He had all this power that he would wield, but he used it to help others. He was the most powerful human being in the universe, not just planet Earth. And I always wanted to do this. And you got, I, thank you, Jana Maitland, for this. Uh, I always wanted to. <laughs> I almost hit the lights last service. I always wanted to wield the power of Grayskull, right? And just be like. Oh, I felt good. It felt much better this service even, right? Like, come on. You pick that thing up. Who doesn't want the power? Who doesn't want it? Here was the thing as a kid. I, I loved He-Man. It was not good for my childhood in some ways because I had a little sister. Any of you have little siblings, right? And like, I have the power. And I always turned into wrestling and diving into people. My brother and I getting in trouble. I loved having the power. Right? It's not just like in a cartoon show that we love having the power. As kids, man, it, and you grow up, man, whoever has the power on the playground is thought very highly of and is a powerful person in that place. Whoever has the power in the academic school classroom as a child growing up, you had a certain abilities and authorities as you get older and you become an adult. You realize that things like being good looking and being in shape and, and being intellectual and, and having money and possessions, they give us power and authority. Here's what I would love to do this morning. It's not just He-Man, although he is amazing, that had power and gave it away to help others. The, the life of a Christian, according to Jesus, in the passage we just read, that our any power and authority we have is not meant to lord over people, but exists to serve and help others. That's what I'd love to discuss this morning. Get ready. If you're taking notes, I'm going to move quickly. I'm going to give you three things a Christian must know about serving. And we had a lot of fun, and the moment's going to get kind of heavy, and you're going to go like, Pastor, this is a real downer this morning. I think it's very important that we discuss these things. Three things that Christian must know about serving. I'm going to give you the first two. We're going to give you ways to do it, and then I'm going to answer the third and final one. Along the way, if you're new to this teaching series, it's up on the screen at the bottom. At any time, you can text in questions. 317-550-5070. Text them in. We had some great ones last service. I'm going to answer them live during this service. I will not be prepped for it. It is completely anonymous. Even if you're in my contact list on my phone, I won't know it's you. And we'll answer any question you got. If we don't get to all of them, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live, I'll be answering any questions uh, that we didn't get to. It's been a lot of fun doing this. So here's the first thing that a Christian must know about serving. And that's this. Number one, you lord over no one. Why? Rick Warren made this famous, but it's throughout scripture. It's not about you. As a Christian, the difficult thing is when you have given your life to Jesus, that your life is no longer about you acquiring things, about your desires, everything changes. You don't exist in the same power structure that the rest of our culture and society does in, or does, where we want more power so that we can lord it over people. 
Jesus exemplified a completely different power structure. He said in verses 42 in the beginning of 43 in Mark chapter 10, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. He says, your job as a Christian is not to be right all of the time. Oh, I don't like that. Your job as a Christian, although he wants to give you the desires of your heart if they're godly desires, but your job is not just to get the things that you desire in this life. In fact, what Jesus will demonstrate is a very uh, difficult and completely different view. It's not the beautiful and the wealthy and the fit and the influential who are meant to just wield all of the power, but in God's kingdom, it is meant to be given away to help those in need. That's what it looks like in the kingdom of God. It's a very different power structure. Sometimes I don't like it. And I'll be honest, I got really convicted this week because here I am preaching on this thing about serving other people. And then I look at my own life and maybe you're there with me and sometimes you just don't prioritize it. And then even harder, sometimes there are people that are just dead wrong. You ever meet those people? Like they are just completely wrong. You know that they're wrong. You have the correct answers and you would like to inform them very clearly of the right answers. And it's much, much harder to serve people who you know are wrong, bad people. Yet Jesus seemed to come and to serve everybody. And we're going to talk about that. See, one of the things I look at is classism in our society today. And it's a sign as a Christian that you don't understand the power structure of the kingdom of God if you have never hung out or talked to somebody who is not of the same social, financial, or political status of yourself. That's not easy, is it? But actually to follow Jesus means I don't lord over anybody. It's not about me. I exist to serve others. And that I've actually missed the way of Jesus if I only hang out with somebody because they offer me something, or they're attractive, or they're popular, or they're wealthy, or there's certain things that makes them cool to hang out with. Man. That we're called to love our neighbors regardless of what our neighbors are like. And some of them don't mow their lawns. Right? Like, your job as a follower of Jesus is not just to be right, but to actually... uh, not lord over people, that it should not be so with us, but that we exist to love everybody right where they are. Not that we don't hold to the truth of scripture, we ultimately definitely do. But it means that we're intentional. And here's one of the things this morning. I want to tell you, this morning's message is not about politics, okay? A lot of hot topics going on right now. Anybody's uh, social media feeds blowing up with arguments and disagreements and Although I've tried to figure out a healthy way to share this, I don't believe God has given us a platform to just make blanket political statements. I don't think that should be the role of a pastor, although I encourage you as a follower of Jesus to have strong political views. That's a healthy, good thing. I'm not telling you not to have strong political views. I do. I don't share them publicly with people, but I will talk to you about them personally anytime that you want to know. And here's what, what I've discovered about that is, although I, I have strong views on those things, it's very easy for me and for us to begin to see the other people. You know the other people. They did or did not win the election. You know the others. And it's very easy to see them 
as that they are evil, bad people, and that they just cannot get it right, and they're destroying humanity. And I've literally, I don't delete Facebook friends. Um, Some of them are Christians, and some of them are not. And they post, I've got like extreme versions of each of them. I've got some that it's literally like 20, 30 political uh, articles every single day. Okay, and I'm not saying that that is a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, our goal is just not to get people to line up and make sure they know that we've got the right argument and they've got the wrong argument, especially, get this, especially if we have not spent time praying for those who believe differently than us in the first place. Especially if we wouldn't sit down for a cup of coffee to actually hear that person's perspective in a real way. I I, want to tell you this morning, my concern for us as Christians is that we have the wrong enemy that we are attacking. And believe me, uh, we worship Jesus on both sides of the aisle in this church. I've talked to you. We got them all over the place. But, But here is what I would like to say. That according to the life of Jesus, his, his goal was actually to love everybody. And you're, I'm going to give some examples, even the hard ones to love in a little bit here. And if you want to ask questions, ask them. I'm going to answer them. Don't forget, live text Q&A. You have the ability this morning. But when Jesus actually is ministering to people, there was only one enemy. Only one enemy. And that was the Hasatan, the adversary, Satan, throughout Scripture, that from a spiritual perspective, our battles in life is not with our family members or our loved ones or our spouse. Our battle isn't with our children. Our battle isn't with the Facebook person who posts crazy political views because they're different than ours. Our battle is with the enemy. And while all those things have value, our job as Christians is to serve people right where they are, get to know them, pray for each other, And that is at the heart of what I want to talk about. It's a lot bigger than a political thing. Um, While I have very strong political viewpoints, and maybe you do too, what I'd love to share with you this morning, what we're talking about can literally change your life. And it can change the eternal life of another person, maybe in this room or maybe watching online, that when they get a glimpse of Jesus in our lives, it changes everything. Number one, three things that you must know as a Christian about serving. You lord over no one. It's not about you. Number two, you are a servant first. It is. It is about others. I know some of you are like, oh man, that pastor's got it wrong. He's got it wrong. I may have it wrong. I may have it right. But what I want to share with you, your life, you are a servant first. Your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, according to Mark chapter 10 and throughout the New Testament, is now about other people, that you were bought at a price. And it wasn't just to win arguments. It was to see people know Jesus eternally and have their lives changed here and now. And yes, Jesus valued some things in their culture, but he did not spend all of his time just simply debating about political opportunities, although there was plenty of opportunity to do that. See, the heart of his Christian is you are first a servant. It is about others. Verse 43b to 44 says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That the way you be great, according to Jesus, was that you are a servant to someone. And whoever wants to be first must be what? Slave of all. Oh, I don't like that. 
So I'd like to tell you this morning, get your pen out. You can mark that verse out of the Bible because we don't want to live that one out, do we? It says that you must be slave of all. The word servant in verse 43 and the word slave in verse 44 are actually two different words in the Greek language. And you don't have to be some deep Bible scholar to get this. This is a beautiful thing. See, diakonos is the word for servant. And that was used in verse 43, that you were called to serve others. It's to serve or literally like to wait on them, right? Like you'd think of how a waiter serves people in that way. In fact, in that culture, in Roman society, this was something that would be looked down upon, to serve others. Why would I do that? In Greco-Roman culture, for centuries, that had been the viewpoint. In fact, Craig Evans, a a New Testament theologian, writes this. In the Greek world, diakonia, service, was the opposite of happiness. As Plato says, Plato said this, how can one be happy when he has to serve someone? But the Jewish world had a higher appreciation of service. That just like it speaks directly to the heart of our culture and society and power structure today, it did back then. That when Jesus says that you exist to diconia, to serve people, to wait on them, to meet their needs first, it was not something that was looked fondly upon in that culture either. And then Jesus is going to take it even a step further. You see, one time Jesus is challenged about the greatest of the commandments. And in Matthew 22, 37 to 40, it says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, uh, mind, and being. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus said that the Old Testament and the law and the commandments and the prophets, all of it hinged upon these two things, to love the Lord your God, and to love others as yourself. And you can't really love others if you don't love God in the way that he desires us to, at least. And we definitely can't love God if you're not loving others the way he's asked you to. So it means it changes our viewpoint. Our greatness is determined by how well we serve others, according to Jesus, than just about the power and wealth and things that we can accumulate that make us great. That's what the New Testament says. In fact, the word there, slave, is not the same word, even though it means servant. This one also means slave. It's a different type of service. Doulos equals servant or slave. This is a complete and other denial of yourself that you have now submitted yourself to your Lord, right? Like Jesus says that you were bought at a price. You're now his Romans in the New Testament says you are either a slave to sin or you are a slave to righteousness. You are either a slave to the enemy or you're a slave to Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. And I got so convicted about that this week. You see, I don't think in our lives we will ever see the kingdom of God advanced. I don't think we're going to change culture, we're going to change lives unless we serve others first. And we serve them the way that Jesus served them. And that's not easy, that's hard. And the reason this church exists today and all of the great things that have happened over the last five plus years is because people were able to to put some of their disagreements aside, not because they're not important, they're definitely important, but now exist to serve others first and foremost. First and foremost. That means the life of a Christian means you desire others to be blessed before yourself. That's hard, isn't it? 
It means, get this, that in your marriages, you want to serve your husband or your wife or your wife or your husband first. And some of you are like, yeah, they need to hear this this morning. (laughs) It means you don't even get to put that idea in your mind. Like, you can't even say, I'm going to serve you, so you're going to serve me back. Like, you just serve them. Jesus served people who were literally going to put him to the cross. Like, you serve people. I mean, to follow Jesus, the, the level of servanthood and denial of self that Jesus demonstrated was that he denied himself to the point of giving up his life for us, even those people who called him names. Wow. Like, if we really followed Jesus in this way, people would call us things they would say, like, you're being walked all over, right? Like, you, you, you are, think you're serving, but you're actually not standing up for yourself, Now hear me, in a relationship, if there's ever physical violence or there is sexual promiscuity or any of those major things that the scriptures talk about, that changes everything, obviously, obviously. That said, none of us really ever feel like other people serve us enough, do we? And so for Jesus, he was going to serve us no matter what happens that we'd rather give than receive. You'd rather your kids learn how to live and how to do what's right, even if it means a harder life for you. You get that as a parent. Think of it in other ways. That means you'd rather a hungry person be fed than to have a nicer retirement package. It means that you would rather make sure that those who are hurting in our culture are loved well than even to just be right. It's tough to serve the way Jesus served, to love others the way that he loved others. It convicts me. I feel challenged, and I probably should. If you want to give five simple ways, I'm going to give you this DIY. If you're like, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to come to questions in a moment, but I want to serve. Like, how do I serve? How do I serve? Here's five steps to begin to serve right now. And the first one might be the most important, that you make time available. That's the hardest part, I think. You make time available. Some of you are going to go to like three sporting events this afternoon, right? Like some of you, you literally cannot find a time to just rest and relax. I get it. Bible teachers have a Sabbath day. But if you want to serve and you want to begin now, you have to make time available. I'm going to ask any of our volunteers out there if, that are wearing one of the blue shirts, that's why they had the blue shirts on this morning, or any of you that didn't get one of those yet, but you do volunteer on one of our teams. And we had somebody wearing a blue shirt last service, but it wasn't the serve now shirt. So if it's not that shirt, you don't have to stand up here because then he got really embarrassed and I want to do that to you. So if that's you, if you volunteer here in the church, would you just stand up for just a quick moment? Just real quick, real quick. Can we thank them for their service? I had a great one of our volunteers I love said, I don't even want to be recognized. I don't do this to be clapped for. I get that. That's why we love you. And I want to tell you this morning, um, if you want to see God change things in our society and to begin to serve others before yourself, and you have this big picture of all the things going on in our world today about how we could make it better, and I got some ideas and you probably do too, but you don't begin in just simple ways of serving other people now. You'll never develop that within your soul, within your mind and heart, where you have the passion to serve others to do the big things. The people that stood up, some of them get here, like before I do on Sunday morning. Some of them get up at like 6, 7 in the morning to come serve. Our our media team, they're here from 7 a.m. to 1 o'clock a lot of Sundays. It's incredible. 
And they don't do that because they want to do that necessarily. They do it because they want to see people know Jesus and have their lives changed and, and, and live for eternity rather than just the here and now. Making the time available is not the easiest thing, but it might be the most important. Step two, uh, serve an area of need with available time. Again, if we don't make the time available and then we don't actually serve with that time, well, we won't see the impact we really want. And it might be something as simple. This Sunday is Volunteer Sunday. And Dana at the end is going to give you specific instructions. We're going to have people out in the hallway, and there's a couple other ways that you can sign up this morning just to serve. We don't want you to serve more than twice a month. Uh, It requires us to go out and get more volunteers to serve on Sundays, and it actually um, enables people to have a break, and we get the value of that. But maybe it's just that simple. You're going to start serving twice a month or once a month in one of our areas of need. Our church today is about 1,000 people. Over the last five years, God has done some miraculous things. We have baptized people in there who weren't a Christian just a year or two earlier. We have baptized people who have had marriages healed. We have baptized people who are dating for Christ for the first time in their lives and orienting their life around him. We have baptized people with broken family relationships that are beginning to be mended. We love that. And maybe you want to see more of that happen. You just serve by coming a little early on a Sunday and you're going to sign up today. That would be incredible. But here is the thing. Unless your Tenoria asks you for Master Chef who serves the Lord by cooking and with food, if you join our hospitality team, and I hope that you do, it's one of our great teams, and all you do for the rest of your life to serve Jesus is serve people donuts, that's not God's full calling in your life. It's just a starting point. You see, as you begin to serve others and you get a taste for it, it's a little bit contagious and you want to serve others more and more. And so you're going to begin to find other ways that God can use your life to make an impact. And one of the things you'll start doing is step three, you will choose to walk towards people rather than away from them. You know what I'm talking about. It was like 60 degrees a couple weeks ago. And some of you, you went outside, right? And your neighbor was out there and you're like, oh, I better get back inside really quickly. They want to talk to me. I don't want to talk to them. What if you just start doing this instead? And not to give a 45-minute monologue about your cat, okay? Like to just go love that person in the moment. And not just with our literal neighbors, but our figurative neighbors too. What would it look like to start walking towards people's pain rather than away from it? I believe that's what Jesus would do. See, to serve others means you got to make time, you got to actually be available and and serve in an area of need. And then you choose to walk towards people rather than away. And as you do that, step four, you pray and discern through long-term passions and mission opportunities. And maybe God gives you a bigger passion for some incredible things that he would love to see changed in our world. And he uses you to do that. We're seeing it happen in our now like 18 outposts that meet through all different parts of the north side of Indianapolis and beyond. And it's incredible because it's empowering the many rather than the few on a stage. There are no professional Christians it's the priesthood of all believers we send you out on mission and he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit to make an impact and the difference you have the power because you know Jesus Christ as your savior and his Holy Spirit empowers you then maybe you pray and discern bigger long-term mission opportunities step five step out in faith and don't be afraid to risk it all to risk it all when you get to that point and you know what God's asking you to do, then in obedience, you step out in faith and you risk it all. See, when we moved from California to Indiana to start a church, it was a big risk probably for our family, but I don't think anybody bigger than my wife. She was from Southern California. Big culture difference. And yet she knew what God was asking us to do. And she would say these last years of our life have been the greatest by far. And when you risk it all, you see God show up more 
and more and more. Before we close with one last quick point, I want to answer some of your questions out there. Well, first of all, I had this question last service, and I think it's a really good question. Okay, what about the Pharisees? Right? Like Jesus, so if we're supposed to love everybody and serve like Jesus seemed to call out the Pharisees, like call them a brood of vipers, even. Had some harsh words for those Pharisees, didn't he? Definitely true, and I'm going to discuss it more online tomorrow on Facebook Live at 9 a.m. And here's what I would say, though. He didn't just call out the Pharisees. He called out the Sadducees. He called out the Zealots. He even didn't live the life of an Essene who would live out in the desert in a cave. Like, Jesus didn't seem that his priority, prior, uh, most important primary mission was simply to have a political structure developed within his lifetime. His primary concern was that they would get to know the love of their heavenly father, that it would point them to it. And yes, for those who consider themselves followers of God, he would call them out and tell them the truth and speak directly to their lives and to their hearts. But it doesn't mean he didn't love them. Jesus even loved, get that, Jesus even loved the Pharisees. If you're not familiar with the New Testament, the legalists, the people that eventually would have Jesus crucified, he even loved them. That's hard for me. What's it look like in your life to even love the Pharisees, even love the people you know are wrong? That's the hard part of serving others the way Jesus did. This says, I'm a Christian, but I struggle with patience uh, with others that do not live as the Bible says. Am I uh, my brother's keeper? And how far do I go before I stop, before I stop so that relationships with people don't become unhealthy? Great question struggling with patience for others when you see them living contrary to what the Bible teaches. Here's what I would share to you, and I I teach this in all our discipleship huddles about calibrating grace and truth in your life. And the reality is this. If you realize that the problem, that the, the enemy in that situation is not the person, is not the person, but there is a spiritual battle going on for the soul of that person, It would change the way you interact with them. You would be able to speak the truth in love. You would be able to interact with them in compassion rather than trying to get them to see that you're right. Do you see the difference? I think that's really important as a Christian. Great question. Uh, If every Christian, everyone who is Christian abstains from sharing their views on social media, and that's the main way the world is communicated, not in a face-to-face format, how will they hear the voice of truth? Man, another good question. You guys are way smarter than the last service. I mean, really disappointing at the last service. But uh, I would say this. uh, I'm on social media all the time. And I would encourage you, uh, post whatever you would like. Do do it with love, though. Big difference, isn't there? Not to be right, but to demonstrate compassion and love and to hear from other people and not just hear your own opinions and to prove to other people. I, I believe in strong debating skills. That's okay. Now, I don't do that as a pastor because I'm in a different role, okay? Because I, I want to minister to people, and some of those conversations, I believe, are much better as private uh, friendship conversations where it's not just this thing that all these people are jumping in onto what should be a private conversation, and that is the danger of that. But I would say this, okay? And I've got people on my social media feed on both extreme ends of the spectrum, and I don't delete you as friends. Here's, here's what I would say. If you have posted in the last week 50, 60, 70 different political articles and you're a Christian, now this is only if you're a Christian, and you have not prayed for those who are wrong, 
and you have not posted one thing about your faith in Jesus Christ and how that has changed your life, I don't think you understand what it means to surrender all areas of your life. That's the hard stuff, isn't it? Getting to the point where my entire existence now exists to love God and love others and surrender everything and I'm gonna do whatever it takes and I, I compartmentalize and you do too, right? Like that's the hard part of following Jesus. But getting to the point where I know my desire at least is that I can demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to all people as it said there that a slave to all because Jesus served others first. Great question though. Um, I will answer the donut and pizza question, whoever asked that uh, on Facebook Live tomorrow. That was an inside thing with my wife. But uh, finally, how do you talk down a Christian who is strong with their political views? Um, I, would say, I would say this. Uh, I don't know if the person asking this is a Christian or not. Um, regardless of whether that person is a Christian or not, um, I, I think that the goal shouldn't be to, to win the convert, right, to our belief system. Um, the goal should be to love people well right where they are, and when they get to know Jesus, that will forever change their life. And so if I'm speaking to a Christian who believes very different than me, I, I don't not share what I believe, like that wouldn't be truthful. Truthful, I, I will share what I believe, but I think it's done in a way where you know if Jesus was standing in the room, he'd be happy with what's going on because it's leading to, recon leading to reconciliation and actually hearing the other person before speaking first. And that's the hard part. And when we see the other people, we know that they're wrong. Most of the time, we don't really understand the reality that they're faced with and why they have such strong opinions about the things that they have strong opinions with. Jesus, as we're closing out the service here, he loved the marginalized and the broken and the outcast, the people in our society that people did not want to talk to or be around on both sides of whatever political spectrum even existed in the first century. And that means the third and final point is this. Your life is not your own. It is about God's mission. You see, in verse 45, Jesus said this, for even the Son of Man, it's a term referring to Jesus, the Son of God, a reference to Daniel 7, 13, about the Messiah who's to come. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve the most powerful human being, fully God, fully human, that ever existed was not just natural, but supernatural. He came not to be served, but to serve. And then get this, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was the depth of Jesus' love. And he died for the Romans who would crucify him. He died for the Pharisees that got him put up on the cross. He died for the Sadducees that didn't even believe in the resurrection. He died for the Essenes who lived out in caves, who avoided the world. He died for everyone, even the zealots that wanted him to take over Jerusalem again and set up shop. He died for everybody. He died for the broken and the lost and the hurt, the people whose marriages were destroyed, the people whose dating life is a complete mess. He died for the selfish person who wields all of our power and our money and our possessions to benefit ourselves. He died for all of us. He died for us in our pride, in our guilt, in our shame. He died for every single one of us. And the life of a Christian is that you are not your own. You are now about God's mission 
See, one of the most radical statements of Jesus that was ever said is in that statement that God incarnate chose to spend his time hanging out with those people, those people, and he loved them and he served them. Think about that for just a second. Everybody in their society said, "Why? what are you doing? We're never going to listen to you now. He did it anyway. He loved them. He spent more time talking about the love of God. He spent more time washing the dirty feet of people. He spent more time talking about God's compassion for people than any any of us ever would in our society and we'll make all the statements in the world that we want about how we're right and we miss the whole point of following Jesus is I exist to love God and to love others and I want to serve you with my life well that's getting up and losing 15 20 minutes of sleep because I'm going to come to a service early and serve others on a volunteer team whether that's walking towards my neighbor rather than away and not just asking them and giving them some monologue about how what they should do with their yard but saying hey how can I serve you and meet your needs it means that when you're on the airplane you don't exist for any other reason to serve others on that airplane. It means when you go to the grocery store, you exist to serve others well. It means in your marriage that you serve the other needs before yourself, regardless of whether it's returned to you. It means that you serve your kids' needs first rather than your own because that's what being a dad is. That's what being a mom is. And sometimes you got to take this thing and you got to put it down and you got to go to bed at night and read them a story and read them the Bible and you got to pray with them and you got to teach them what serving others makes a difference. And it will. It will. I fail at it. You fail at it. But the only time they get a glimpse of Jesus is when we serve others enough that they can see Jesus Christ at work in our lives. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I'm... this stuff matters because right now in the room, there's those of us who have been fighting all kinds of battles, and some of them are good battles we need to continue to fight. And our faith inspires us to fight those battles, and that's a good thing. But God, sometimes we give up the, the supernatural to meet the natural, that, that we miss the eternal perspective of what's really going on, that our enemy is not the other person, that the enemy in our marriages is not our spouse, that the enemy on our social media feeds is not the other person on the end of that. God, may you change that about us. May we hear other people's perspectives well. May we exist to serve others before ourselves the way that you did, Jesus. Even those who are wrong, God, use us. And maybe this morning, you have brought conviction or encouragement to many of us or some of us in the room right now. And we realize we have compartmentalized things in our lives and we do not have the complete submission that that faith in you requires And if we want to build our faith in 2017, we have to begin to serve you and others first. I'm third. Now, if that's you here this morning and you would like to surrender yourself fully to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and begin the mission of serving others well, I invite you to pray this silently as I prayed out loud. God, I confess that I'm not perfect. Forgive me for my wrongdoing. I submit my life to you fully because of your life, death, and resurrection. I can live eternally with you and serve others here and now. Use me. I'm fully yours. God, we love you. We praise you and we give you this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's family said, amen.